This is Colorworks Radio, and I'm your host, Justin Baker. Four years ago, I worked with my guest, Jack Magai, on a show that I curated at Colorworks titled Transactional Days. The word transactional was being repeated in the news almost every day to describe the coming administration's approach to governing. My thought at the time was what would be a response to the idea of transactional in an art space and what are the ways it can be dissected. So naturally, that response was a puppet show, a giant buffalo mask, a confederate living room, a gender-reversed dominance display, and a chicken dance. Jack was the chicken dance. And the performances that were generated out of that show felt life-affirming. Because what seemed a very dark beginning of four years and proved to be, showed me we still had powerful art that could ask questions. But as always, before we get to Jack, the song you are about to hear has been bouncing around in my head for years. And I'm almost ashamed to admit, four years ago, this song brought me great comfort when it was performed by Kate McKinnon as Hillary Clinton on Saturday Night Live, the first weekend after the 2016 election. Her performance reassured me because probably like you, I was in shock. As the song builds, these lines that Cohen wrote are recontextualized in this unforeseeable absurdity of our current political system. The astonishing spectacle of Hillary Clinton singing the lines, I did my best, but it wasn't much. Or better, even though it all went wrong, it was raw and powerful. Cohen is building a portrait of a deeply flawed man, and that is not lost in the performance. But it is redeemed in the end when McKinnon, as Clinton, turns to the camera and says, I am not giving up and neither should you. So whatever happens in the next 60-something days, whatever bullshit transpires, I'm going to borrow a phrase. I'm not giving up and neither should you.
strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. The beauty and the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throne. She cut your hair. And from your lips, she drew the hair. start with this being a really weird time to be a performing artist, somebody who uses his body. Yeah. And especially with other bodies, which often happens. Uh-huh. Oh, that, that's an interesting feeling. Yeah. So it's been a time, I mean, a lot of artists have, I mean, everybody is struggling to figure out how to adapt their practice. And mine suddenly went from being a practice in which I, you know, a lot of the time I rub up against other bodies, even strangers at times, mm-hmm. to a point where I just can't touch them at all. Mm-hmm. And so it's forced me back into uh, parts of my art practice from long ago. Hmm. 
writing, for instance. Right. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. So that's been good in a way, you know, productive in its own way, but it's been, it's been really challenging at times too, Mm -hmm. not to be able to use the old body. (laughs) Use the old body. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I, you know, I, I, uh, I totally spaced there for a second, but I, I thought, uh, coming down here, I was thinking about the last time that we, you know, kind of worked together or we don't really work together too much, but the last time that we were involved in like, uh, an art thing together was the, uh, the transactional days show. Yeah. And that, I think we met and I talked with you, I came down here, I, I talked to you about it. And how I wanted to do this kind of performance show and the idea of like leaving artifacts, which is, I you know, I felt like I was kind of adding a layer in that like maybe most performance artists aren't uh, so uh, comfortable with or, you know, anyway, uh, that was, I think, at the beginning of the the current administration mm-hmm. in the White House. Right. It was. And here we are um, at the... Um, hopefully the end of it <laughs> and and we're, we're talking again so i thought that timing wise it was kind of interesting um it was like kind of almost like not quite full circle but it seemed like a, a connection there True. Um, yeah but um you know i'm curious about like your your art practice and for people who don't know um jack uh is a um performance artist um and um, you do some video, right? Occasionally, or or no? Am I, I don't think up? of video as as a medium that I work in. Uh-huh. I mean, certainly, because I'm doing performance, uh, the document there's a lot of documentation. The documentation vid- video, and there's well, there's one piece that was in this um, show that you just mentioned at Colorworks, Transactional Days. Yeah, right? yeah. That's that right. was a video piece. Yeah. Um, that was projecting onto the floor. So that's true. That was that was nearly my foray into into video, and it was a companion piece to the performance. Mm-hmm. So it was me over a long period of time with the little chicks growing up and crawling all over me. Yeah, no, that was beautiful. But um, I, I guess to your most recent piece, that was at the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe you could talk about that a little bit and where some of those ideas kind of came from, uh, came from, and like maybe how they thread into your other work. Sure. Um, so the I I had been working. Uh, I hatched, so to speak, an idea uh, to do a bit of a scientific experiment um, to to try to answer. Um, questions that I have about how people look at nature, how how uh, the human view of nature has evolved over a really long period of time, sort of um, biblical times to the to the present, and how, you know, nature used to be a very scary thing. And we were we were assigned in the Old Testament to uh, to, you know, make the crooked path straight and all of that. And uh, more recently, nature has become something that's really redemptive. It's something that we look to to take us away from the problems of humankind. And that's just such a big 180 that I 
I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to figure out where that came from because of the current crisis of our relationship to nature that we're in right now. That is to say, climate change. So how we look at that? I wanted to somehow address this in my practice, and I decided that I could take people out on uh, out on walks and direct them to do certain things and document their responses to the directions. And then um, it would have a sample size. So this is where it gets to be like a scientific experiment. Mm-hmm. I would have, uh, you know, eight or ten different people doing the same, uh, responding to the same directions, the same audio directions. So I made an audio file um, that directed them to do these things. And how exactly this is where it, as a scientific experiment, the metaphor breaks down because there's really no data to analyze. It's subjective. Uh-huh. Um so uh, it would it would veer back into artistic practice when it comes to actually processing the experiences of the people. Um, but I thought, I, you know, this really appealed to me, this sort of uh, the, the writing of directions and um, I have a long history of stage directions, writing stage directions as poetry. This is getting way back to earlier art practice and what do I do when I can't rub up against people anymore? <laughs> yeah. So the writing no part... Rubbing. It's no rubbing at all, no. Um, so anyway, I'm a little bit um, all over the place here, but but I'm going to pull it's it together. Okay. Um, so the um, so writing directions for people is something that I've I've loved doing in the past, and so I knew that I would like this. So I'm going to write directions for people. I thought, and I'm going to you know have them go on this walk, and I'm going to be with them, and I'm going to document what they do. And then there'll be a show that comes out of this, or you know, a piece or a show um, that uh, is the documentation of many people's experiences of following the same set of directions. Um, so I was working on that. In fact, I got residency uh, thanks to Collarworks. I was one of the first summers um, group at um, at the residency up north. What's it officially called? Uh, the Elizabeth Murray. Yeah, yeah. Right. Artist residency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was wonderful, and I um, that helped a lot to move it forward. Um, did a lot of writing there and, and have a script together, and I've, I have drafts of that. But as I was working on that, um, I heard about a project um, that Kathy Greenwood was, uh, or a, a show that Kathy Greenwood was putting on at the Albany Airport, and... Um, realized that I could do something related to that for the airport um, because it's a captive audience. That's always an appealing thing. Um, So anyway, I started to work with Kathy on that. She liked the idea, and um, it was uh, much shorter. So there was another appeal is that like this this sprawling, hours-long, project that you know each each of the victims in my um, my nature experience would would be experiencing a several hours long uh, trip with with audio and a lot of uh, intricate um, uh, travel and and props and all kinds of things it would be very you know it was it was elaborate and it was taking a while to get it together and then here comes this you know 10 minute long assignment for an audio file that people at the airport could 
experience. Mm-hmm. And so that was great. And it was a, a good way to, to do sort of a trial version uh, in a sense. And mm-hmm. it addresses some of the same issues in the sense that it is an airport is, is very nearly the opposite of a natural environment. Right. That's what I was curious about. So that's what I loved about it mm-hmm. is that I can get people to try to use the same powers of observation that I was um, directing them to hone on their walks, but in the airport mm-hmm. where they're, you know, there's hardly anything random at the airport. Right, right. So yeah. to try to get people to discover those things and, uh, you know, to experience their perceptions, to, to sort of like notice that they have perceptions and that they're volu- that they're things that they are both in control of and not in control of mm-hmm. is the sort of performative side of this. So I'm getting, it's a participatory yeah. art project. So what can it, what were like a, a sample, like what would be a sample question from the, the airport piece? I don't know if I'm going to be able to quote anything, but um, or, or, there, I, there weren't questions. Yeah. It, it was very much... Or directions. You know, it was right. gentle, but it was definitely directive. So, uh, you know, it sets out, starts out with, this is a series of instructions for simple actions mm-hmm. that you will be doing. And, you know, some people would just drop it right there and be like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so yeah. there was a, it was a limited group of people who would do it. And then um, it would tell you to close your eyes and to breathe and to stand up, walk over to the window, okay. look yeah, out yeah. the window. Um, and then very detailed things, you know, pick up your right hand and scratch your forehead three times and put it down, turn your head to the left, breathe twice, mm-hmm. turn in that direction and start walking again. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there were... It was a mixture of asking people to just look or feel something, move their foot around in your shoe, you know, certain mm-hmm. tactile experiences or sensorial experiences with having to follow these really strict mm-hmm. directions. Now, this is like where I, I get curious um, even more because as as an artist, like where does... Where does your like desire, or where did that idea of um, like a participatory art practice, like where did that come from? Like, I guess when you're thinking about this piece, um, what are some of your like initial interests in in creating something like this? So my background, once I moved on from writing poetry as a teenager. Mm-hmm. My, my background was heavily influenced by, mo- by postmodern dance. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to Bennington College and just experienced uh, a flowering of postmodernism and postmodern dance in particular at that time, so the mid-'80s. And um, the... The, you know, one of the biggest questions, one of the biggest issues that's, that was trying to be addressed in that field was the interaction between that group of people who are sitting there watching you and the people mm-hmm. who are performing. And how do you bridge the gap? And that's something that had been, you know, addressed by Beckett and, like, various people way back. Oh, sorry, Bre- I meant... Um, uh, it wasn't Beckett. It was somebody else I was thinking of. I mean, I love Beckett, but it's... Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, 
It'll come to me in a moment. Okay. But anyway, uh, yeah. German people back in the in the twenties and thirties, and um, qu- questions about how does one how does an audience person relate to the um, to the performers? Is it just a an issue of association? So I I feel what you're doing, um, or is it more a question of actually being drawn into physically and participating in those things. And, you know, there were lots of kooky things in the 50s and 60s and right, 70s yeah. where people were, you know, in the, in the visual art world where people were drawn mm-hmm. in and being asked to do things. But it, I think it didn't really um, become what participatory art is now until a bit later um, with the more explicit introduction of um, political content. Mm-hmm. So now there's, you know, much more having to do with um, getting the participation of particular subsets of society and things like that. And, um, God, am I answering your question? It's um, Yeah, you are in a way. I mean, I'm, I'm, because I think, well, what you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're saying that, you know, in Bennington, you were exploring the postmodern dance and those ideas. Right. Um, now, even further, like, how did you, what led you into that? How did you go from poetry into dance? Oh, right. I was writing stage directions. Oh, I just okay. found writing stage directions. Like, the poetry I was writing was verging onto stage directions all by itself. <laughs> and then I was looking at these these performances in college, and I thought, oh, I could just actually have people perform the stage directions and or, oh, like, combine... So what I did in college and subsequently in my decade in Seattle was writing, uh, having performances in which there was text being spoken by dancers Mm -hmm. and sometimes projected or um, there was usually some combination of text and action and the relationship between the two of them. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So like the written word was a direction and then they were performing it in some way right or the people who are performing it were speaking Mm -hmm. it as they were doing it Mm -hmm. or there was some combination of the two Mm -hmm. um so how like i'm curious like what do you do you feel like in your own practice like that idea of participation of um of like the uh instructions and the viewer um or the participant, I guess, not a viewer. Mm-hmm. But is is there something specific in there, or is it just a, a general uh, idea of of this kind of eternal question of like, where does the the audience and the performer like, where do they meet? That's kind of a big question, but I'm I'm curious about it. I. I'm going to be like a politician and just ignore your answer, your question and move on to my way of okay. addressing this subject. Sure. Uh, uh, if I can remember what I was just thinking, it's um, for me, it's really about the uh, no matter what the intention, this, this is what it's about. It's about the, the question of the intention of the artist. I always feel like it's really hubristic okay. on the part of artists to, um, 
deter to say that they they know what the subject matter of their artistic expression is. I feel like that um, as an audience member, or when I when I put on a performance and I see people's reactions or I hear from them later, it usually has very little to do with what my original intentions were. Yeah. And I feel like it's uh, incumbent upon me to admit that and to run with it. And so the subject matter of my work is not sort of any extensive subject matter, like in the case of the piece that you produced at Colorworks. It's not about chickens or about right. this guy there with chickens. It's about... How, people's transformation from knowing that they're sitting down to watch a performance with a, a guy with a chicken to what actually happens to them, looking across the way at the other people who are sitting there and what their experiences are and nervous laughter and like mm-hmm. the transformation of expectations into the takeaway experience. And that transformation is something that I feel like I can sort of curate or I can, I can guide by mm-hmm. setting up the situation in a certain way. So this the the writing of directions is is a way of kind of tweaking that process that I'm trying to do. But I think that that you know at the root of it, that process of curating or guiding people's tr- transformation in an experience is what I'm is that's the subject matter of, the, of my work. Mm-hmm. No, that's interesting. That's uh, yeah, I like that you ignored my question. <laughs> you took it. In. Yeah, so. I mean that that um, that instinct is is incredibly uh, interesting to me, uh, specifically like as someone who makes things. You know, I'm mm. constantly making things to look at. Um, but like what you're saying, you know, and and I agree with because you, you know I never really trust anyone who's like my work is about X, Y, and Z, or you know, this is what that images about or mm-hmm. you know what I mean like that like you know we, we don't have control over that you know it's like the the over the person's response the yeah, audience response yeah because right? you know like um, you know like I guess like what Duchamp said like you know a person is going to bring all of their thoughts and experiences and biases and all that stuff to a work of art and that's going to funnel in somehow so that's that's interesting um so you're kind of taking it just to even this step farther of or you're you're just taking it in a direction that is it's about that. That's know? right. Yeah, so that that's that's a very uh yeah, and interesting and, idea. And the the chicken dance that at Collarworks a couple yeah. couple 3 years ago, 4 years. I think it was like 3 or 4. Three, yeah. 4 years ago. It seems yesterday. Yeah. But yeah. Was it most explicitly about that? I think that that mm-hmm. really that experience and putting that piece together really uh, refine my thinking about this when I realized how the connection that I was putting people in it was for me in the end it was really about seating people 10 feet away from one another looking you know like putting them in a position where they were really open to an experience mm-hmm. at the same time that they were 10 feet away from several other you know a whole bunch of other strangers yeah um and so they their their connection, their relationship to those other people evolved over fifteen minutes, um, and that that really for me ended up being the subject of, mm-hmm. of the piece. Yeah, 
there was I mean just being in the audience kind of working as like a you know this kind of derelict M- MC um, I you know there was like great uh, energy in the audience prior to <laughs> the, uh, the the dance and uh, that was it was you know you could feel it um, and it was it was very interesting to see um or just not to see, but to feel that and experience that. And when the lights went out and it was like totally dark, you know, it was like you could really cut it the uh, cut it with a knife. It was really funny. Yeah, and um, there's nothing that unique about such circumstances. Right. I mean, yeah, there are all yeah. kinds of places where where that happens. But the fact that it was, uh, you know, officially an art event. Yeah. Allows, I think. Um, People to you know allows pe- people access to thinking about the experience as um, as something that they can sort of pick apart, right? As opposed to oh, it happened in an airplane or it happened in you know like right. I don't know. Yeah, well, the venue change is is certainly you know a part of it because you know people don't. I think you know people are so used to being like passive viewers. You know, they go to a museum or they go to a gallery or you know, if it's, you know, capital art, capital A art, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, you know, expect to go and just look and see and, you know, and I, I think taking them out of their comfort zone and asking them other questions, you know, is, is, uh, is something they're, I think even the, the audience today is still not like really comfortable with. Maybe less so today because of how much time we spend alone with you know we're, we're interacting with the world um on a little screen mm-hmm. less than we you know so we're, we're in, spending less time our interactions with with actual human beings are across the table from us like this is less uh less common than it used to be right yeah no that that's even that's an interesting idea as well i mean like uh, yeah, so uh, so much of your day is spent, not your you know, maybe in general you know is looking down at your palm and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know not really experiencing the world. I mean, is part of that idea is that is that what if we went all the way back to your beginning of this idea of how our relationship with nature has changed? Mm-hmm. Is that is that part of what you're you're thinking about in that? You know, I hadn't actually put that together, but I, th- yeah, yeah, it must be that our relationship to one another becoming more tenuous through technology uh, does surely relate to um, how we view nature as mm-hmm. a whole. Yeah, as it's like a redemptive experience. Yeah, I suppose it may increase that. Although the fact that we feel like we can get, I mean, I think that the young people today, you know, uh, can, uh, I think are probably less reliant on nature. I don't know. I don't know. It's an, it's an open question to me as to whether the um, modern people who are very dependent on on technology would see nature as more or less redemptive than uh you know, hippies or post hippies from 30 or 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. That might've been the high watermark, like the seventies might've the been 70s. the high watermark of yeah. um, feeling like nature was redemptive. Yeah, it could be. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I don't know if that's changed. I'm not sure. But you're probably right. Um, going back to that piece, so has that ever materialized, that, that, that one that you started at the, the residency, has that ever been performed? Carried or? out, no. Carried it, out. It was going to happen, like so many other things, this yeah. past summer. And I it just became completely clear that I was not going to be able to... Stage it. Take people in a car... Oh, you right, know, right, right. Like, essentially blindfold them and take them in a car somewhere and then walk around <laughs> with them for several hours. As they're blindfolded? Yeah. No, oh, no, they, they okay. wouldn't be blindfolded would, at the time, okay. but they can't know exactly where they're going. And, oh, okay. You know. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So, I just, the proximity that it required of a whole bunch of different people mm-hmm. um, made it impossible to carry out during COVID. Yeah. Right. So it's planned for as soon as we're able to do those things again. It'll, oh, okay. ha- it'll happen. Is Colorworks staging that? Or are, they, are we part of that in some way uh, or no? Not that I know of. <laughs> okay, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. For all the board members who are listening, you know, it's a great idea. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yes, we will fund this idea. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. That sounds cool, though. But I, I want to I talk just a, a minute more about... I know this is like kind of weaving in and out, but the, your idea, or not your idea, but your your practice of dance, like was very, um, I finally got it, I guess. I don't know. Um, and I sound like really stupid saying that. But I, when I saw the way that you um, moved and I don't know, I mean, what was going on with the chicken was very much a dance. And that was like incredibly interesting to me. Um, where... So you started writing directions and then thought like, oh, I can just do this myself. Is that right? Or or had you had this interest in using your body? No, I hadn't. I mean, back, this is, you know, back when I was Mm 20-ish or so, when I got sucked into dance through writing stage directions. So from poetry to writing stage directions to being, you know, just associating with those people Mm-hmm. got me invited to perform. Oh, okay. And so I just became a performer at that point. Really? Yeah. And just then... Pursued. Jumped in. Yeah, jumped in and... Okay. Um, I mean, had you been, like, training or doing no, anything? Or? No, there's okay. this, there's this um, weird tradition in modern, postmodern dance where it probably is passed to a large degree, but... Um, Typically, you know, it's a, it's a female-dominated field dance. And so there are all these, you know, super well-trained women who have been doing it for, you know, by the time I was 25, had been doing it for 20 years and had you right. know, been a ballerina yeah. mm-hmm. and then just straight through. And, you know, spent a lot of energy unlearning a lot of the rigorous balletic uh, training in order to perform modern and postmodern things. And then, but there aren't enough men. Okay. And so as a man, you have this opportunity to sudden, to like be, to just show up and get, and get hired to do things. I mean, hired, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. be allowed to participate in okay. performances. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was nice. 
uh, and it's it's great to have been able to do that. But it did feel a little bit terrible in a certain way that there were all these women who had worked so hard, and then the, the men just show up and, they and can just, just show up and okay, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like you know an analogy for humanity in a certain <laughs> <Right>. way. <laughs> Human culture sounds like yeah, sounds like day to day life. Yeah, um, okay, that's interesting. But you know, it was great. It was yeah. certainly fun, and um, so the process of of collaborating with people, you know, unlike the typical uh, visual artist who's stuck in their studio alone for so much of their life, um, working in a collaborative medium is mm-hmm. really enjoyable, especially yeah. in the lower ranks where you're just hanging out, uh-huh. being told what to do. But you must have like, in in some way, because you you seem so purposeful in the way that you moved and I'm referring it back to the the chicken dance Mm -hmm. I mean there's a real like it seemed studied like you you knew like okay well yeah so I did study it (laughs) (laughs) I will have to admit I was just referring to how I got into it how I got into it was this just like drop in and be accepted and sure okay valued Um, you're making it sound too easy that part of it was easy just getting started but then yeah then I had to study and uh, and certainly, you know, working on that piece and on the choreography for it was very much like working on a, a, a painting or, a, a mm-hmm. you know, an etching plate or something where you're just like constantly frustrated and redoing it and scraping the stuff off and like, you know, pulling your hair out. Right. You know, very much the same process and alone. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I realized something just recently, it's a tiny tangent, that I was reading about the philosophy of science. There was something in The New Yorker a couple weeks ago about um, a new book on the philosophy of science, and it was talking about um, what a sacrifice scientists make when they, um, generative scientists, when they come up with like an idea that they want to try to prove. And it reminded me very much of artists and how they were just like stuck alone, like, I don't know if this is going to be any good. I don't know what I'm really doing here. Just like totally all the time questioning it, but just like telling yourself, well, I, I can't stop. I mean, yeah, it's probably sucks, but I'm going to keep trying it anyway. Mm-hmm. Very much the same thing. And it made me, I thought that was really um, interesting that, that those scientists and all the artists I know are kind of in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, yeah, it probably took, you know, like, 100 hours or 200 hours of um, time in the studio to come up with that 10 or 15 minutes of choreography. Yeah. That, Some of which was repeated. So let's say yeah. it's more like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the word That's the word that I, I, I wasn't thinking of, the choreography. Yeah, and how that is. Um, like what, what is, like, is, so is that like part of like, so take me through like, uh, like, a studio day like where you're just kind of working on things I mean now it's kind of like a a writing idea I guess as you're saying but I mean are there days where you're just like practicing movements or thinking about movement or you know is there like a, a general piece in mind that you're working on so I don't spend a lot of time choreographing anymore uh-huh um, when I did I thought was probably the last piece that I did spend a lot of time working on, uh, movements for, and I basically will just do that when there's a piece in mind. Right. And so I'm 
thinking like here here's I'm imagining the setting I'm imagining mm-hmm. what this piece needs to be and then I try to knock some, you know make something that that suits that mm-hmm. need um, my movement practice otherwise is pretty much exploratory um, so the one thing that I was able to do th- during COVID uh, I came up with the idea of um, instead of r- I'm going to use the term rubbing up against because it's, <laughs> it's actually apt. Um, there's a, there's a several dancers that I have a long history with of, um, of dancing with and it's, it's in contact. So we're pushing up against one another a lot of the time. And it's just a way of like um, making sure that we're, that our senses and, and our connection to our bodies are intact and that we can use them when we need to. So it's sort of a, it's a practice. It's like sketch, you know, going to a life sketch or something like okay. that, you know. And um, and one of those people is uh, Hannah Fantakok, who was uh, the other, you know, major performer in that show, sure. The Chicken Dance. Yeah. And so we've been doing that for years together. Um, and during COVID, we started to do it instead of touching pulling away from one another with a rope so we would have a, a long rope 20 feet or so with a loop at each end and uh, Hannah would be in one loop and I would be in the other and we would be able to um, sense you know u- use our sense of force pulling away from one another okay and uh, we performed that a few times in mm. the spring around Troy and um I'm not sure why I'm mentioning that, but it's um, it relates to this question about practice. And, sure, sure. Yeah, um, I was asking like studio, like those kinds of that time. You know, like where, how is that? Um, you know, the analogy to studio practice for me is more about writing and um, production matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so crafting the crafting the text and figuring out how to appropriately record it and get people out into the field um to pull you know basically stage production yeah yeah hmm. wow interesting i love this idea of taking someone in a car blindfolded and, <laughs> and leading them uh it really sounds fantastical and you came up with that at the uh, elizabeth murray is that where that like the seed was planted for that it, I can't recall exactly where the car trip parted. I think that was already in place. Okay. Um, what I was working on at that residency was, you know, what are the tasks that people are, that I'm going to have people do? Mm-hmm. And so um, a couple of the other artists who happened to be there were nice enough to be guinea pigs for me. Oh, cool. And so I tried out. I would record things, you know, in the morning, and then I, people would come out with me in the afternoon and try things out and I would realize oh that didn't work at all okay. no you can't walk backwards through the woods etc <laughs> yeah, yeah. so things like that okay interesting yeah. hmm. well um, that first thing you said and we're going to wrap things up but I just sure. really loved that um, you talked about was it in Genesis or was it to, to straighten oh, the crooked path yeah that's really fascinating to me. I don't know why. I, I guess I've never read that part, but <laughs> I can't remember where it is <laughs> or wherever it is. It probably is in Genesis. Uh-huh. It might be in Exodus or Exodus, maybe. Yeah. Um, there's you shall have dominion over all 
things, things yeah, that creep I, I know on the ground. And, yeah, you know, yeah. like Dominion. Yeah, like, yeah. it's our job as humans. Our, to tame. This. To tame. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, and behind that is the idea that all those things need taming because they're scary. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we're, we're small, powerless creatures in the face of the world around us. Right, right. right? It's scary. Mm-hmm. We don't have that sense anymore. No. Except, you know, some people do. Some people listening to this, good liberals, might <laughs> be scared. Might be yeah. might be appropriately scared about yeah, yeah. about the world. I mean there are actually yeah. things to be scared of now. But, yeah, but but as of, you know trees are not scary anymore. Maybe they could be. They're gonna fall on you. Yeah, the the, the climate as a whole yeah, yeah. poses some serious risks to us right now. But mm-hmm. um but the idea that you know, a lion is going to, like, if you go out of your domicile, a, a lion is something you really should be worried about. Is not that great for, you know, many people anymore. Right. It probably was a bigger deal back in the day. Right. To get eaten. Yeah, there were wild areas, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and course, uh, yeah. I think, although there's some dispute about that in terms of, like, uh, you know, the idea of Native Americans having, for instance, managed... You know, a great portion of this continent, as opposed to it just being like untouched and wild. Right. So there's you know some debate mm-hmm. debates about those things, but um, but our attitude is, you know, as Westerners, sort of the Western lineage is uh, is really different. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm just really I'm really interested in how people think about those things and how we're going to how I can help to get people to think about them in more detail mm-hmm. going forward.